today is actually the first day of the PCA trade show, 2022 trade show. As you can tell, we are not there. Um, would be very impressive if we were able to move this whole All studio this. to Las Vegas. Um, but I want to talk about the trade show a little bit. Talk about what it's become, what it should become, the controversies surrounding it. I wonder if I'll ever go. I mean, in my career. I mean, we're going to try to go to TPE next year, which is not as big, but yeah. similar. Because, yeah, when I first started here, you got you and Greg went and it just seemed like a really cool time. It's a great time. It's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I When I was in my youth, when I was younger and could handle things more, I would do the full like, you know, trade floor all day and then a manufacturer dinner and then out with other manufacturers or at somebody's after party till like 1 a.m. and then get up and yeah hung over and do it again. The last time we went, I think I was in bed by 10 like each night. I'm like, I'm not I'm not screwing around. Especially it's, you know, it's in Vegas in the middle of July. Yeah. So it's 110 degrees. Like, are, do you have to go from like venue to venue or is it all in one area? It's all in the convention center. But then dinners the are Sands. elsewhere. Dinners are also, yeah, but you just get an, you get an Uber or something yeah. from the hotel. Um, if you want to walk around, you can. But we usually stay in the Treasure Island and you're only like in sunlight for like a few minutes going up this outside escalator. And then you walk across this bridge across the strip and then you're in like, you're in the next hotel where the where the thing is just got to walk through it, but you're not in the sun that much. I do remember that our, on my home once the plane wouldn't start because it was too hot. Wow. And I'm like, Las Vegas has been a place for like 50 years. You yeah. guys don't know how yeah, to you don't, like yeah. cool yeah, down you're the not, planes. It's a desert. It's always hot. Yeah, it's right? like this, it was I've not never like been, a, have you ever been in the winter time or winter? Yeah. Me and Anthony went for one of the cigar aficionado big smokes in October and it was like 58 degrees. Okay. It was a dramatic right. change. It's not like one of those like Florida places where it's hot all year the humidity yeah so the trade show uh, as many of you know i'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty you know several big companies ours included are not attending this year but the trade show i think has to change uh its current incarnation is just not it's not viable anymore um because you notice that the you know there are several smaller companies who i don't know if they're going this year but they didn't go last year either for financial reasons, COVID reasons, just overall PCA reasons. I know Romacraft wasn't there last year. Foundation wasn't there last year. And the big companies are General Altidus, uh, Drew Estate, and Davidoff. Now, why do they not, like, what, what's, from? My, and this is not, like, an official thing from our company, but, like, what's a, let's, me and you talk here, what's a reason they wouldn't want to go? What's, what's the reason for a trade show? I would I would just assume to showcase the new products you have coming out this year that are already out. Um, specifically with this trade show, <clears throat> which I didn't know this was a thing. Um, they kind of rate your booths, right? So mm -hmm. you you get to kind of. I think you know when you talk about cigar bands and even the look of cigar, there is an art to it. Yeah, and that's I look at everything. Most stuff like that, there's an art to it. So. You may want to like for the Warhawk. I remember they had like the old motors. They had a motorcycle there. They gave it away. It was a, there was a yeah. Raffle. So they had like <clears throat> out to this booth like one, like it was crazy. You know, I remember the Dat was it Davidoff the Yamasa or Davidoff had, had like three three different um like areas for each of the different yeah. black labels. So they had like a little Dominican area with like the red clay from Yamasa. They had like a Brazilian yeah. nightclub for the. So I think Escudio. a trade show is to kind of just. Show off the cigars you have, but also design it in a way, you know, nothing. But show off the cigars to who? I would assume your consumers, right? Right. But it's only for industry people. Yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, there's a lot of influencers going on. Gotcha. I'm not even okay. going to get into that. 
Yeah, um, I would. I would assume it's. I don't want to say it's like a, a con, sort of speak. Like a comic con is is. Oh, I think even a con, like a fraud. No, 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 I didn't mean it like that. Like comic cons are, you're not inviting like just industry people to be like, oh, come here. You know, it's for everyone to come up and 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 enjoy it. So yeah. that that's what I would assume like a trade show, a, a festival, anything of that nature yeah. is for for people like us. So yeah, trade show is is definitely more of an it's for the industry. It's yeah. not for just oh, I'm a cigar fan. I want to go see. So yeah, I mean the the origin of I mean specifically something like the PCA trade show is that, you know, in, in the heyday of, of this industry of a lot of industries before internet, like you had to get out there on the road, you had to hit up brick and mortars individually, you know, and it was tough to figure out where they all were, communicate with them. You know, if you were a small company, you know, flying to California wasn't really in your budget. So they would have this trade show. So it's like, Hey, once a year, everyone meet up here, yeah, save up the money for yeah. it. And I remember hearing stories about how it used to be in like in, in like hotels and people would go to different like conference rooms just in a hotel. Obviously it got bigger and bigger. It's very important to get your products front and center um, especially to brick and mortar retailers online. Like we're going to, we're fine. We're yeah. going to take it. Uh, but to get it in front of brick and mortar retailers, to give them a sample, let them smoke it, tell them the story. It's important to have that face to face. When you're a company that's as big as Davidoff or as big as Drew Estate or as big as Altidus, you have reps all over the country. You know, every one of your brick and mortar customers has somebody they deal with face to face on a decently regular basis. I mean, how often is you know Doc is here a lot? Yeah, you know we see Doc yeah. you know, at least once a month. So for them, now you got to think of the expense of the trade show. You got to obviously pay the PCA. You got to pay the Venetian for your floor space. You got to pay for all your little gizmos and gadgets and whatever in the booths. You got to pay for you know for the actual booth, and they they charge like by the foot. And those costs have gone up. What would the average cost for a company to go to a PCA? Millions. Like a big company, probably like a million. Uh, I, I would assume like a, somewhere. Crownheads Foundation, you're talking a million or? I'm I'm pulling this number out of thin air. Yeah. But for someone like John with transportation, room and board, food, booth costs, all that, maybe 75 grand. It's not cheap. Smaller companies still, I mean, and then also with the internet, people, you know, it's hard to like unveil something at PCA. Oh my God. And I, I didn't see this coming. The internet with press releases and everything, you want to get a little hype going. Now you want to get a little hype going before the show to increase your booth traffic. Because let's say you're a smaller company that not a lot of people have heard of, but you have a banging new cigar coming out. You got to get people there or else what are you going to go in the middle of the hallway and start, oh, you should come to my booth, come to my booth. Like you don't want to be a carnival barker yeah. at this thing. <laughs> Uh, step right up and try the new crown heads. Well, actually with the, with the blood medicine, the, the event only cigar he just released that, that kind of fits. Cause it's like an old 1800s, like snake oil kind of thing. <laughs> so if I think of a company like Altus, I, I'm again, I'm, I'm guessing booth is a hundred thousand, yeah. something like that. Ridiculous. Cause they have a huge booth. They have to, you know, glass cases for all their cigars, all the cigars that they need. Plus they bring their entire crew. So they bring, CEOs, uh, VPs, all of the, like a majority of their reps are pulled in for this. So let's say that's call it 15 people, but it's probably more than that. And you got to get there a few days before the show and you probably got to stay a day or two after the show. So you're talking a week, 
uh, more than five days, seven we'll call, days. Call it, call it, call it, call it, you'll call it seven days okay. at, at, at minimum. Seven days. Because the event's what? Four events days four. itself? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, so but then, you, yeah. You, you, know, you might have some guys you bring in like, all right, I don't need you for setup. We're just going to bring you in on the day. But call it 15 people. Flights. I mean, just think of flights. Even yeah. if, it's, if it's 500 hours round trip times 15 people. Justin, do the math. What's 500 times 15? No. I, I'm, no. Like, not even close. It's like, yeah, it's like, I was going to say, it's like 7,000. So 7,500. So 7,500. Did you say it was a half a million dollars? So you're looking at just about eight grand just to fly everyone there. Then... Each person has their own room, Vegas prices, $250, $300 a night times seven. So now you have 300 times seven times 15. Alex, if you don't mind. Three. <laughs> he was leaving. Uh, you know I mind. got it. 300, you can go, Alex, it's fine. 300 times seven times 15. 31,500. Yeah, 31, so... You, you, just with flights and putting them in hotels, you're already at forty grand. That's some people's salary. Mm-hmm. Then you got to feed them. Vegas is expensive. Yeah. Call it, and I'm going to be on the cheaper side. Call it one fifty a day. So do now do one fifty times seven times seven times fifteen. 15 grand. So now you're at $55,000. Yeah. 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 $55,000. That's yeah. You haven't even done any cigar stuff yet. You haven't, you have no cigars. You have no booth. This is just to get your people there. Hotels. And I'm not even including, uh, any other incidental costs? I'm not including it. People they don't take, buy the cigars when they're there, right? No, no, no. But you, but the, the, the that's the thing. The manufacturers on the hook for it. Like they got, they got to bring them and like hand yeah. them out for free. Um, and then the booth space, I don't even want to get into that, but it's astronomical. Plus you had to ship all the stuff there in crates, you know, add at least another hundred, 200,000 for the booth, plus your fees, plus any like major dinner. You're, 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 yeah, you're right. Like you're, 70. You're in the mid, you're at, at least 500 K. Now you can do that much business. You know, you can have people come in and, and you know, Altidus can do $500,000 in sales yeah. at a trade show. But why, why spend the money? Everyone knows who you are. You have reps all over the place. A lot of companies, you know, like they're, they're in contact even before the trade show to like know what the, what the trade show deals are and this and that. So like, why spend 500, why spend 500 grand to make, and I'm, again, I'm totally making these numbers up. Why spend five hundred grand to make seven hundred fifty thousand dollars when you can not spend that and just make five hundred grand? Yeah, you know what I mean. What well, I still see a value there for smaller retailers. What the trick is, the PCA has to cater to the retailers. Like they need to get retailers there. They need to make show that like, hey, this is a worthwhile expenditure for you to take time away from your shop. Again, it doesn't matter for us or for CI or Famous. It's the for smaller the smaller ones. ones. Yeah. yeah. Like, we have to show that this is worth it for you to take time away from your store and come here and spend money here. And again, don't forget, maybe it's a mom and pop shop. Maybe it's just like a husband and wife run this store. 
four nights in Vegas, plane tickets, hotels, food, yeah. plus whatever order they're putting in. You're saving a, you know, you're saving yeah. almost a full year for yeah. it. It ain't cheap. No. Now, I still like the trade show as a concept. I still think, um, and I think a lot of the money that the PCA utilizes goes to good. Um, and I'm not on anybody's side in this. I'm I'm pretty individual. Uh, but I think that there are some concerns that either need to be addressed or like, dude, if it just evolves out of like big manufacturers going, okay, like, yeah, you know, like when I go there, I mean, I have to cover everybody, but the Althodist stuff, I already knew what it was. The Davidoff stuff, I already knew what it was. The the Drew Estate stuff, I already knew what it was. Now, Drew Estate just had a really cool booth and they, yeah, they, they used did. to take us to dinners that were baller. But I went to go see like, what's Nick Melillo bringing? What's Steve bringing? What's, you know, Roma Craft bringing? What's, Mike, like I would, I think this is Michael Herklotz's first trade show with his, with the Ferry Otago. Yeah. I think it's like, that's a big deal. Like for him, this is a big deal. So maybe give these other guys a little time to shine. Maybe that's what this can work out to be. Um, TPE, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I haven't been there. I don't know enough about it. It's a different kind of expo. I think they even changed the name of it. It's a different kind of trade show. It's vape and I think it's CBD now. And there's a whole bunch of other. Are there other any stuff. trade shows that now? I don't know if this would make sense, but are there any trade shows that kind of cater to like new cigar brand, like new cigar companies coming out? Like Ferry Otego, like kind of like, I, I want to call them like rookies one, yeah, kind of thing. No, is there one is, just dedicated to like, oh, this here's brand new cigar company. Here's a trade show right. for that. As far as I know, there are two major trade shows. Uh, really, there's one major trade show and then TPE is like, kind of building itself up to okay. be like a contender, but it's that's it's a little different because there's other aspects of that. But as far as I know, this is the trade show. Okay. Uh, I would like to go back. I would like to go cover. I, I get to see a lot of, for content people, it's great. We get to see a lot of people. We don't, you know, it's hard to like fly them out here to do an interview. So, uh, and the amount of content we get is astronomical. It's really fun. People stay in, in tune. Um, the media does a very good job. I want to say the media, Sorry. I mean the legitimate media. I mean your dojos, your coops, your blind man's puffs, your half wheels. Um, I think we all know my stance on the influencers. And I think that there was some issue last year. And I don't mean legitimate influencers. Um, somebody like Ben, yeah. uh, Sisters in Smoke, who's like, it's not really about her. She she just does a really good job of like marketing the product and showcasing different products. Yeah, I saw her other video, the aging room. The aging she room like was dressed great. like yeah. the, like she wore an orange shirt with the bob. I was like, that's smart. She has like a she has like a marketing background. So yeah. She knows she's not like looking. She's not like clout chasing. She's like she's just doing this because it's like she knows how to do this at a very high level, and she also knows her cigars like yeah. very very well. Uh, but even Hot Ticket Podcast, who uh, you guys should check out their Instagram page. They've been uh, they've been ripping some of the influencers lately and some very funny videos I'm, I'm guessing it's all in good jest but but when they did Ben's they didn't like make fun of her they were like no this is like how you should do it so that was nice but yeah there you know when you have you know a Charlie Minato or you know uh Coop trying to interview somebody about like hey so what was your process like tell us about this new release and then you have somebody just like doing a TikTok in the middle of like, all right, so we're going to dance like this and then we're going to do the thing and then we're going to light the cigar and I'm wearing a low cut thing. Like, mm, cigar people don't take that seriously. No. And they get a lot of views, but like people don't take it seriously. So, shout, uh, unfortunately, you know, we, we can never do like an actual make fun, but shout out to Hot Ticket Podcast for keeping it real and shout out to Sisters in Smoke for, you know, Doing also keeping it real. Yeah. This is her ministry, as she would say. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, other big news, because I don't want to dwell too much on that stuff. Um, you probably show us what you got. So Nick and our design team work really hard on... Your design team, Dawn. Don't, don't put me in this. This, was, right. this was Dawn's baby. It was... Well, you wrote most of the content in here, but this is... Yes, one of our coworkers, Dawn. This is her baby. Um, and you guys are bringing back the Cigar Magazine by J.R. Cigar. And this is a July edition with John Huber on the cover. There's a great interview with John in here. Um, there's a really good piece with Alec and Bradley in here. There's another really good interview with Tank Brewing in here as well. Um, I know what you want to show him. And we did cigar reviews as well. Nick and I, uh, along with two other um, employees here, did just cigar reviews and a really cool illustration. Justin will cut to the close-up here of me, but here. Nick did um, the new one of the newer cigars from Altus to H. Upman Nicaragua Heritage by AJ. Um, and I did the Partagas Cortado, which that was really good. We kind of aimed these cigars to, you know, to enjoy during the summertime since it's a July edition. But in the summertime, when the winter is But on. yeah, it's a really it's really cool. Um, I, I you know, it's my first time being in any type of obviously like yeah, and it'll be the last magazine, one. probably. Um, not, not, not will be, definitely will yeah. be. Um, uh, and then at the end of it all is the Long Ash Podcast. The photos Justin took with the logo. I saw um, Jess post that. She was so proud of you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She she she's more hyped about the things I do than than I am sometimes because I feel like I don't ever belong anywhere. But this was actually really cool. Well, you belong on the back page yeah. of, a, of a free magazine. <laughs> but this is pretty cool. Um, so do you want to talk about, you know, if you want to speak for Don or like the process that you had to do going into it? Yeah. Because this wasn't really, um, didn't seem like it was a really easy. I mean, no, but like, per it wasn't, se, but like nothing, getting, nothing crazy happened. Yeah. Um, Dawn wanted to bring back, Dawn is one of our masterful creative. And she's been here for a while, right? She's been here for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of our masterful uh, creative artists um, responsible for a lot of great artwork that I'm sure you guys have already seen. But she wanted to bring back um, like a content piece. We have our catalog, but the catalog, as you know, is very much sales oriented. It's pictures of cigars and price boxes and, you know, there's some deals in there. But she wanted to bring back like an editorial, like a content piece. Excuse me. And we used to have one. We used to have Cigar Magazine. It was a big publication that Lou Rothman had throughout the 90s into the early 2000s. It had pretty major interviews. It had a lot of like Lou's old timey fun stories. It had cigar reviews. It had a little bit of everything from lifestyle stuff. So we, uh, so Dawn wanted to bring it back on like a, just a, you know, a, a little smaller basis. This is not as big as the old magazine used to be. Um, but it's great. Yeah. We, we, um, to coincide with our soon to be release of the, of Mother Church yet again, we, we interviewed John Hoover. Really, really great information in there. A lot of cool backstory about his, his journey through CAO and his, the formation of Crown Heads and his ties to Nashville. Just very interesting stuff. Then we did a spotlight on Alec and Bradley about the Kintsugi. Also, what it's like working with your brother. We repurposed our interview that a lot of you might have seen on our old YouTube page uh, from when we went down to Miami last year and interviewed Tank Brewery. So there's the interview with that. Then there's the cigar reviews. Yep. You know, it, There's some really great imagery in there. Actually, the, the guy who took, and he's credited in there. Can you uh, look on the, for the, on the first page of the article, the John Hoover article? Yeah, let me look. I don't know his name, yeah, it's, but it's, it he does. 
Photography by Kurt Ozan. Product yeah. photography by our Chris Warner Day. Yeah. But the photography of John, as you see on the cover here, and then this photo here, which is really awesome. Yeah. Uh, so Kurt is a Crown Heads fan. I believe he's a Nashville native, uh, but he's the photographer and one of the backing guitarists for, I think, Luke Combs. Who was, who's, sorry, whose decision was to, I like this. Is that yours? So I like it. I, I know it's a. When um, me and Dawn were thinking about titles, I suggested that. Yeah. And then she was like, all right, let's come up with a few different options. And then I texted John and I'm like, hey, you know, we're thinking of a title. And I didn't give him any options. I'm like, what do you think it should be about like crown heads and whatever? And that was exactly what he texted me. That's great. So I'm like, oh, okay, then this works. Um, at first we want, we didn't want to go with it because it's like, oh, is it like, cause it's a burden or whatever, but no, it's just like a fun, it's a fun saying. I think it's a, and it's a cool, cool play on words because of the, the company's name. Yeah. Yeah. What you guys, there is a, there's going to be a flip book available to check out. Um, some people are going to be getting hard copies and then we're going to see if people enjoy it. We might be bringing it out on a larger scale, you know, later on in the year, you know, maybe as a, as a quarterly, you know, like be pretty quarterly cool. review. Um, I like I, I I when I got my copies and I'm like yeah I miss having like a magazine like in I mean when I was younger Derek can laugh you guys can laugh at me I had the Slam magazine every every month I don't know what that is a basketball it's just a mag basketball time. magazine oh. and yeah there was always posters in there and stuff like that yeah flipping through this was really like so wait did you Slam and then you were welcome to the Jam yes I listened to that podcast uh, how did this get made and they did Space Jam and they all they all by the way they all hated it. Because they were they were yeah, all, they were no all like in their twenties when that movie came yeah, out. They're like all ninety six or something. Yeah. And then they were like, "I have a question. What is a jam?" And then one guy thought it was like just a basketball term because there was like NBA Jam was like the video yeah. game. But then his wife, she who played like high school and college basketball, she's like, "I've never heard it being called like, hey, let's go jam for basketball." No. You play basketball. Does anyone call it like a jam? Oh yeah, we're gonna go down to the jam. No, no. Yeah. I'm gonna go. Jam I would prefer home. to go to the jelly. And other preserves. Justin knows what the difference between jelly and jam is, right? Yeah. Don't encourage him. <laughs> uh, oh, also, there's a piece in there from Rafael Nadal. We're going to have a section called Rafael's Corner where he speaks upon a certain brand or a certain blend. Yeah, in this edition, um, it's the Oracle. How that man was able to nail down like a perfect signature. Like I have a crap say If I'm ever famous... And then they take oh, yeah. they take a signed thing of mine to Pawn Stars. They're going to be like, "There's no way we know if this is no real." Because like no. my, I have chickens, and not not one of my signatures is the same. I don't get how people have like the same penmanship is weird to me. People have like really good penmanship. Yeah, I, I don't. It's outrageous. I blame it on being a lefty, but I was don't blame everything on being a lefty. I have. Well, to. I'm a lefty in a righty's world. That's a bunch of no, 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 no. That's not that. I just blame it on being a lefty. And then we have an article from Steve Nathan: "The Birth of a Cigar." Yeah. That sounds a little too close to the birth of a nation. And youth of a nation by POD. Anyone? I don't know what that is. We are, we are. Huh? Do you know what birth of a nation is? What is that? Is that what movie is that? Is that's that a, the, oh, really the U.S. Elba movie? No, that's no. Um, Beast of a Nation. Beast of a Nation. All right. Birth, birth of a Nation. Of a nation. A uh, film school guy. Yeah. Birth of a Nation. It was basically a Ku Klux Klan recruiting video. Oh, but it was like Jesus. a movie and it won like a war. Like it was a big movie. It came out in uh, 25, something like that. What? Yeah. It was, it was, it was every bad stereotype that like you should not do in a movie. They did. They had 
like the North, this is after the Civil, this is the 1920s. Like our grandparents were probably alive. What is it about Vietnam movies that are so creepy? I mean, Jacob's Ladder, I think it, Platoon, yeah. Apocalypse Now. Would you say, never mind. No, sure. I don't want to say it was like the creepiest war, but I feel like it was the most. I think like, World War II was my favorite war. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the great lines from Small Soldiers, rest in peace, Phil Hartman. I think it's one of the most, in, you know, know, trying times in our country, but like my father in law, he, you know, he, he was in Vietnam and. Was, was your dad in Vietnam? No, no. My, my dad, like, just missed the cutoff and he was, he was a college starting boy. to go into the FBI. Um, yeah, but it's just not like it's I just think it's one of the most because you have like Oliver Stone, right? I think he went to Vietnam and he came back and he, then he, you know, he made Platoon. So I think some of the and born on the 4th of July, the, some of these movies that are based on Vietnam, I, I don't quote me on it, but I think most of the directors or writers like they're taking from like stories from that. So I, th- yeah, I think maybe a, it's so like real and like raw, like, yeah. You know, there was a psychological aspect to to the Vietnam War. I'm gonna get into a little history here, so buckle up. We did enough cigar stuff for you guys today. We can get into a little. Yeah, um, we could do some movies and stuff. Yeah, um, there was a psychological history. aspect to Vietnam that uh, w- was there in other wars. Obviously, there was like you know the lost generation um, from World War One. People coming back shell shocked. World War Two. There was obviously PTSD and shell shock yeah. as well. But there was a sense of we we were doing a moral good so people kind of dealt with it a little better or a little differently or they like they just wouldn't talk about it like i had plenty of uncles who served in world war ii like my grandfather and his brothers huh? a couple of them won medals you would never they, they never brought it up and like you had to really grill them to get it out of them i was watching band of brothers the other day it's one of the greatest shows yes and when they were interviewing the the remaining guys who were still alive in at the, the time opening of the show, yeah there was one guy who said that after Pearl Harbor, there were three guys in his town who were 4F, meaning they couldn't serve for a physical reason. They had a punctured eardrum or uh, whatever. And so uh, 1A means you're good to go. Like you're, you're drafted, you can go. 4F means you can't go in the service. And there was three guys who were 4F in his town, I think in like West Virginia, who committed suicide because they like couldn't go yeah. serve. So I think there was like a moral thing to it. And then there was so much support at home. They came back, they were heroes. There's the GI Bill. Vietnam, there was a lot of just 18-year-old kids in a war they didn't know about. A lot of African-Americans who were like thrown into that horribly, which is why, you know, all these years later, you know, Muhammad Ali is finally like kind of getting his like, yeah, man, like you were- They don't care about me. Because it wasn't wasn't like he didn't want to go fight in World War II. It wasn't like he didn't want to go, you know, we were attacked. He's like, I don't want to go. I don't believe. No, it was- Vietnam was just very, very tricky. Um, the Gulf of Tonkin incident was obviously faked. Like, it wasn't even a real thing. Apparently, Jim Morrison's dad was an admiral, was somehow involved in that. Yeah, Jim Morrison's wow, dad. I didn't no know one that. really knew about him. His, his dad was like a, a high Navy, Navy guy. Um, but yeah, I think it was like this war that they and didn't know why they were there. Um, the psychological home, aspect yeah. of, of the jungle and, what, and the Viet Cong, like what they and did. And they came home yeah. and they were. They were mutilated and there was no, there was no welcome home parades. Nope. There was no like, was spat on come on, so we're going to give you a job. People did like, you know, treated them hard, which I don't agree with. I didn't agree with the war, but like you're 18 years old and you're, you just joined the military and some guy's like, oh, you got to go fight for freedom. And you're like, uh, dude, I went to college. 
because somebody told me to go. I didn't know I want to go to college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Imagine somebody's like, oh, you need to go fight for freedom yeah. to save your family from like communists. Like, yeah, you're going to go do it. And then, you, you know, your buddies die. You're in the middle of a crazy of jungle, yeah. you know, with, with booby traps and the heat and malaria. You come back thinking like, oh, they're going to be grateful for like no. what we did. And that's what Rambo, Rambo, another like psychological, yeah. the first one. The other ones are just fun. Yeah. Rambo three is just fun when he kills like when he's in Afghanistan just like killing Russians it's, it's, it's a funny movie but it had this like it left a scar on the nation um, that that echoed up until the Reagan years because um, America never like we had a very kind of like what we're going through right now from various different reasons which obviously we're not going to get into but like a lack of confidence in America you know and, and you're seeing a lot of similarities now but a, a lack of confidence in America from the world and a lack of confidence in America by Americans. You know, we just, we didn't know what to do. We kind of, we lost a war. We never, we hadn't lost a war. We were this global superpower and some small country, you know, in the South Pacific, yeah. you know, threw us out. Uh, and the thing is that like the government was involved in there, uh, Agent Orange and a lot of other stuff, you know, spec, spec ops thing. And it's, and every time Vietnam is portrayed in a movie, even like American Gangster, Right? Wasn't it portrayed yeah. in that movie? It's just like, it's never, I don't, don't want to sound just dumb, but it's never like, it's always just a really haunting image every time. Yeah. Like, even on shows, I used to watch a show I don't watch anymore, This Is Us, when they flash back to it, like an NBC show that's always like heartfelt. There was nothing heartfelt when they flashed back. Like, yeah. so it just, and like you were saying, you know, my, my, my father in law was saying, how he got treated when he came back. Do you know what, where, what, like what, what unit was he in? I, I army forgot. Marines? I think he was army. I think. Can I talk to him? Oh, if you ever want. His name's Nick. So yeah, you guys will get along. Was he, did he like see action? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk to him. He was there. He was it's weird. Cause like my brother-in-law was in the Iraq war and he was there for 18 months. And then I think my father-in-law was there for like nine or 10 months. And like and that's in the grand scheme of things, it's like, oh, nine months. That's, I'm not downplaying it. Like when you live your life, but when you're in the jungle for nine months and you're doing yeah. all that, like, but like no matter how much time you're over there, it probably feels like a lifetime. Yeah. And it's just, you know, my, my brother-in-law has told me the stuff he's seen and my father-in-law has kind of gotten into it. I don't press it. Cause I don't, I don't, it's really tough for him. Um, you know, but it's it, it, for you to, go there when you're 18 and when you're 18 you're still young i remember when i was 18 i thought i was like i'm a man now i got everything figured out and i didn't figure anything out till like i, I probably still don't have anything figured out but when you're 18 and you're like here's here's guns now you got to go kill these other 18 year olds you know and you come back and everyone's like spitting on you these, these you know i hate to use the word it's just hippies essentially i feel like we're <laughs> just were, like they were pro and they, and they you know, went about it wrong they, like yeah. you were, they had every right to like protest a war but like the soldiers didn't do anything no. wrong. You know what I mean? And it's like just, and half of them didn't want to be there. They were know, it, it was a draft. My dad a, almost got drafted. Exactly. You know, like they didn't want to be it, there. It dates back not dates back, but it just shows you how misinformation has just it's always existed, right? Yeah. You know, like just not knowing what you're talking about and reacting based on what you hear or what your friends are doing. Yeah. We see it now more than ever because of social media. Yeah. But yeah, there was a lot of misinformation. Back yeah. Then. Well, there was there were there was 
there was two opposing forces and neither of them were right. The protesters and, and a lot of how they handled things, you know, they were called baby killers or they would, they would spit on them. That was obviously was, was horrible. Yeah. But also like the government was portraying this as like, Oh, we're going to go in there and defend freedom. Like they weren't, they set this up. It was what Eisenhower warned us about, about a military industrial mm-hmm. complex. And I was just, I, I was just listening to a Joe Rogan episode with, um, Mike Baker, who's like ex-CIA, and they always talk about the coolest stuff. Yeah, Super nice he's guy. on a lot, right? Yeah. yeah. And they were talking about the JFK assassination. And I, I was literally, on my drive here, I was like, I wonder what would have happened if JFK wasn't assassinated. I wonder what this country would have... What do we you were think? At, what do you think? I don't, we were at our zenith. Now, listen, did he, he was doing shady shit. Like, of course, every, every guy is. Yeah. But we were at our zenith in terms of confidence. He had sent advisors over to Vietnam, but he had not... Uh, done like a full, like, I'm going to send people over there. He was smart. He was charismatic. The country was just so happy with him. I think that him. plays into a part of stuff. You know, uh, p- people have said like, you know, recently like, oh, Obama is one of the coolest presidents. I think JFK was the coolest. He was the best because he also like got stuff, like the country yeah. was good under his watch. So I wonder if your president kind of exudes confidence. I, I view that will as it, a turning will point. It, yeah. Will it, you know, kind of. Well, we as a nation follow suit kind of thing. You I know? view that as a as a massive turning point in this country in terms of so many aspects. The media, I mean, that was, you know, they there was video of it. There was, you know, yeah. they, they, he, yeah. when, when, they, when Jack Ruby killed Oswald, he did it live on TV. You know, it was it was a live report. He, you know, he was he was our great knight and he was taken away. It was yeah. a, a, and then and then just that's what's so wild. LBJ like, came in yeah. and that Poor bastard who I just don't think was was up for it. And then Nixon got us out of Vietnam and was doing some good things. And then Watergate happened. And then Jimmy Carter, who's probably the nicest man alive, who does a lot of individual good, but couldn't man, he couldn't govern the board of like a of a farming union, much less the, like we were it was just and then you had Reagan who listen, he did Iran Contra. There's a lot of yeah. shady shit with Reagan too, it's but a, he just he kind of instilled a yeah. But that that was that that was just the the start of this you know for, forty because we started getting involved like World War One World War Two were justified to an extent like we had reasons to go then we started getting involved in other dude, before Pearl Harbor even with all the shit going on in Europe and, and in Japan America was like over fifty percent isolationist we did not want to get involved yeah. in, in some war America had always been like that we had only gone to war when it was our direct thing after World War II the military and these private companies and this is not like a conspiracy theory this is true this is this mm-hmm. is written you know you can see this saw how much money could be made oh, as war. like uh, as a dominant military power. And that led that led to the Red Scare. That led to the McCarthyism. Like we got to keep out for these communists. We got to go to Korea and stop these communists. Now Korea, you know, worked out for us in a way. We were able to save South Korea from a terrible regime. But they just these these kind of proxy. We're still involved in. We're still involved in Yemen. A whole bunch of stuff. It's just. And I'm a military supporter. My brother's in the military. You know, I'm I'm all for our military. I just that November of 1960. Was it 1963 or 1964? 1963. 1963. It just started this whole... Because he wouldn't get bullied by the military, uh, JFK, because they yeah. wanted him during the Cuban Missile Crisis. They were like, no, let's just go bomb Cuba now. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like, oh, we'll lose some of the East Coast. We're like, we'll figure it out. Like They they were ready to go. And he was like, no, we're going to figure this out. And he did. 
Um, he did screw up the Bay of Pigs pretty bad, but that was kind of given to him at the last minute. He didn't know what to do. Ugh, you know, whatever. There's that was a, a nice. There's little... a show on. There was a show a few years ago on on Hulu about James Franco was in. I think it was called Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three about mm. a time traveler going back to save JFK. It would have been very interesting. I would have. But anyway, getting back to like Vietnam, I just feel. Think about any. So there's in my life, there are some things that I find very creepy that I'll like lean into in terms of like a sci-fi movie or a horror movie, and they are insane asylums from the 1920s and 30s because they're always anywhere that like excuse my French like fucked up shit happens. Yeah. But like in real life, like anything like that. So. In St. Asylum's 1920s, 1930s, because a lot of creepy stuff happened there. Nazi, like, experiments and that kind of stuff is so, it's, like, so creepy. Yeah. It's so creepy. And then anything, like, there's so many great X-Files episodes about, like, Vietnam, like, soldiers coming back. Because you got to remember, the X-Files, mid-90s, so the it's guys coming back years, from Vietnam are, like, probably in their, in their 40s. You know what I mean? There was one great one with the guy who played Candyman. You know the guy. He's yeah, I don't know his name, but yeah, yeah he's great. Um, and he, he was like experimenting on. Wasn't he in The Rock? Yeah, he, was, yeah, he was the Rocket yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there was this great X Files episode where he, him, and his unit were like given this special medication that they no longer required sleep, and they had like the, they were like the SOG special forces unit. They had all these kills, and they ended up like going rogue and like leaving. And then he comes back and like kills the remainder of his unit and like everyone involved in the experiment. And he just, cause he never had to sleep. Like he, they, they had gone like 25 years without sleep. Jesus. Cause they had like this part of their, their brain stuff like adjusted. Um, and it's just like, yeah, that Jacob's ladder was such yeah. a creepy movie, such a creepy movie. Um, and even the parts of Forrest Gump that dealt with Vietnam were like, mm-hmm creepy and weird and i think uh you mentioned earlier platoon is platoon is probably my favorite depiction of like a, a war movie yeah. apocalypse now yeah. Is, oh, yeah is really creepy like when you when they meet well, martin, martin sheen Brandon, has yeah. had a i think martin sheen had a heart attack he had a heart and he was like in his 30s yeah. like he wasn't old back when he did that it was yeah vietnam is just that's a that's a creepy one even when I play uh, like Call of Duty Black Ops and like there's all the Vietnam stuff, I'm like this this level is like yeah. creepier. Yeah, than you got to give you know, you know I know salute the, the boys. Hey, yeah, a handful the, of our girls. listeners have yeah. you know I I believe they are v- Vietnam vets. I think some of them. Man, I don't I don't I don't I don't understand. You know, I think for me, there's always a level of respect to people who have fought for this country. Any, anybody, regardless yeah, anyone, of the conflict, anyone. you whether you whether you. Whatever the reason behind it, and yeah. like, I might not agree with Vietnam, but an 18-year-old believed that he was dying for his to save his country, and he went out there and did it, and that's more balls than I have. Oh yeah, yeah. And so anybody, you listen, you you, you you don't agree with Afghanistan, you don't agree with Iraq. That's that's you. I think a lot of people come around and like that Iraq wasn't good because I remember being, you know, 11 or 12 or 13 and being uh-huh. like, oh, we got to go go over there. Yeah. I think we've all come to agree like that was probably not a good idea. This probably <laughs> wasn't smart. But anybody willing to put on that uniform, man or woman, any yeah. sexual orientation, religion, whatever, who's willing to go do what those guys and girls did, you know, you have you have my thanks. And exactly, that's, mine and, too. And my brother, you know, especially, not especially him, but him to a degree. Well, he, for you. He was, always, be especially. he was always hiding behind a rock. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I used to say about my grandfather. Like, how did grandpa survive World War II? And I think my dad, like, he hid behind a rock. 
<laughs> my grandfather was really, he had a really cool, he was in the Army Air Corps. He wasn't a pilot, but he was a teacher and he would teach the, the pilots all the silhouettes of like what the different planes looked like. So you can tell like what was a BF-109, That's what was a BF-51. Cool. And then after the, um, right around the time of the Hurtgen Forest and like the Battle of the Bulge, we had lost, I think we had 3,000 dead at, uh, at Bastogne. And so they just started taking people who were like, all right, like you don't need to do this. We're going to, we're going to put a right. And he's then they, they sent him over to Germany and like, they put a rifle in his hand. Jeez. He only served like a few, yeah. a few months. Like it was towards the end of the war. I think he had like one skirmish. He was a, an ammo carrier for a 30 caliber uh, machine gun. But, uh, and he, oddly enough, he met his brother in Paris. Like they did randomly like ranched it on a, on a bus. What? Now my other uncle, and this is the last thing. I don't want to yeah. get too into the Liberty family history. My one uncle, <laughs> uh, uncle Tony, he was, on it's called a quad 50 it was a like a half track so it's like a, a personnel carrier mm-hmm. but instead of having people in the back it had um four 50 caliber machine guns which is like the big machine guns and he would sit in the middle and it was an anti-aircraft mm-hmm. and he was on that and i think he fought at remagen which was the the taking of the remagen bridge there's a lot of movies and stuff about remagen but he he got injured there and his back was screwed up i guess as long as i knew him uh but all my uncle all my whole my Grandfather and all his brothers they served were. in, yeah, Remagen. I had an uncle diet at the Hurtgen Forest. Wow. Another one served in Sicily. They were all over the place because they they were called they were called to serve and they served. Now, did we want John Peter Libretti Jr. fighting in there? Probably not. Probably not the best idea to get my grandpa a rifle, but he wanted to. He he did what he had to do. But God bless all our. I don't know how we got on this topic, but God yeah, bless no, all yeah. our our armed services people and make sure to check out the new uh, cigar magazine by uh, by Dara Cigar thank you guys